Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Today, I'm going to talk to you about some mind-warping discoveries about our thoughts being able to influence past events and some time travel intention that I've been experimenting with. One of the most basic assumptions about intention is that it operates according to a generally accepted sense of cause and effect. The cause must always precede the effect. This assumption reflects one of our deepest beliefs, that time is a one-way, forward-moving progression. This assumption is reinforced every moment of our ordinary lives. First, we order our coffee, then the waitress delivers it to our table. First, we order a book on Amazon, then it arrives in the mail. Indeed, the most tangible evidence of time's arrow is the physical evidence of our own aging. First, we're born, then we grow old and die. Similarly, we believe that the consequence of our intentions can only occur in the future. What we do today cannot affect what happened yesterday, or so we think. However, the truth is our brain stubbornly refuses to operate according to our current notions of reality. Not only does it have difficulty working out the difference between a thought and an action, it also appears to be an organ without an understanding of time as a forward progression. Extraordinary new evidence shows that the brain cannot distinguish between the recall of our own past, which we call episodic memory, and imagination of our future events. The same areas of the brain, the very same areas of the brain are activated for both activities. Researchers have teased out this structural aspect of the brain by studying people with a variety of cognitive problems. The first clue came when psychologists and neuroscientists at the University of Oslo and Oslo University Hospital discovered that people with memory problems also have difficulties in conjuring up a detailed speck of their future. In this particular study, Patients suffering from amnesia who could not recall specific information from their own life history were able to conjure up only a fragmentary design of their future. Other studies like this of people suffering from depression who routinely have lapses in memory have also found that these individuals have difficulty imagining their future. One reason that depression may persist is that the sufferer has a problem with imagining that life will ever get better for them. These assumptions based on scientific findings were actually put to the test when researchers at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, using a thing called functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, asked a group of patients to both recall and imagine common events such as a birthday party or the experience of getting lost. To the surprise of the researchers, identical areas of the brain were activated 
whether the participants were recalling or imagining. As an article in a 2007 issue of New Science, New Scientist said, not only is our personal past and future tightly linked in the brain, but both are handled by a universal module for mental time travel. Isn't that amazing? But even more fascinating, when the brain isn't focused on anything in particular, researchers have discovered that the very same mental travel network is still operating. Although scientists don't truly understand the ramifications of these findings, they pose many interesting questions regarding time and our relationship with it. So how far can we take this and how can it work? One amazing example occurred on the eve of the millennium. Leonard Levovici, an Israeli professor of internal medicine in Israel and an expert on hospital-acquired infections, conducted a study of healing prayers effect on nearly 4,000 adults who had developed a thing called sepsis while in the hospital. It's a life-threatening blood infection. He set up a strict protocol using a special computer tool to randomize the participants into two groups, only one of which would be prayed for and throughout the study maintained impeccable blinding. So that means neither the patients nor the hospital staff knew who was getting treated or indeed even knew that a study was being carried out. The names of all those in the treatment group were then handed to an individual who said a short prayer for the well-being and full recovery of the treated group as a whole. Lemovici was interested in comparing three outcomes between the prayed for and not prayed for groups, the number of deaths in hospital, the overall length of stay in hospital, and the duration of fever. When calculating the results, he was careful to employ all those kinds of serious statistical measurements to examine the significance of any differences. As it happened, the group that had been prayed for suffered fewer deaths than the controls. And even though the difference wasn't statistically significant, what was scientifically significant were major differences between the prayed for group and the controls related to severity of illness and the time it took to heal. Those being prayed for had a shorter duration of fever and hospital stay, and in general, got better faster than the controls. So the subject of Lebovici's research, the healing effects of prayer, of course was hardly new, but his study had one little kicker. The patients had been in the hospital between the years of 1990 and 1996. The praying was carried out in the year 2000, between, between four to 10 years later. The study was meant to be a spoof and was published in a Christmas edition of that prestigious scientific journal, The Lancet. Lebovici was convinced that alternative medicine couldn't accommodate the demands of scientific rigor and that we had no business wasting precious time and resources on what he regarded as a cuckoo in the nest. And he'd intended that the study would illustrate that you simply can't use the scientific method to explain subjective things like prayer. The problem was that everyone had taken the study at face value, although he had intended to use science to
to prove the absurdity of alternative medicine, he had actually ended up proving to many people that we can pray today to affect something that occurred yesterday. Despite all his efforts throughout his career to apply reason and logic to medicine, this was the study that he'd be most remembered for, a study that demonstrated essentially that we can go back and change the past. How can this be? Dr. Dean Radin, chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, also tested the possibility that under certain conditions, a future event can influence an earlier nervous system response. He made ingenious use of a strange psychological phenomenon called the Stroop effect, named after its discoverer, a psychologist called John Ridley Stroop, who was the originator of a landmark test in cognitive psychology. This Stroop test uses a list of names of colors, like green, for instance, printed in different colored inks. Stroop found that when people are asked to read out the name of a color as quickly as possible, they take much longer if the name of the color does not match the color of the ink used. Let's say the word green is printed in red ink, for instance. Then they do if the name and the color of the ink match. So if the word green is printed in green ink. Psychologists believe that this phenomenon has to do with the difference in the time it takes the brain to process an image. So that means the color itself compared to the time it takes to process a word, like the color name. And a Swedish psychologist named Holger Klintman devised a variation on the Stroop test. In this kind of test, volunteers were asked first to identify the color of a rectangle as quickly as they could, and then were asked whether a color name matched the colored patch they'd just been shown. So Dean Radin created a modern version of Clintman's methods. What he did was to put his participants in front of a computer screen and have them identify the colors of rectangles that flashed up as, on the screen as quickly as possible by typing in their first letter. So the image on this screen would be then replaced by the name of a color and the volunteer would have to type in either Y for yes to indicate that the name of the color matched the color of the rectangle or N for no to indicate that there was a mismatch. Then after the participant had identified the color of the rectangle, he or she would also have to type in the first letter of the actual color of the letters of the color's name. For instance, if the word green flashed up but was colored blue, he or she would have to type in B. In four studies of a total of more than 5,000 trials, all four showed a retrocausal effect. And get ready to have your mind blown. Somehow the time it took to carry out the second task was affecting the time it took to carry out the first one. The implications are enormous. Our thoughts about something in the present can affect our past reaction times. But how can any of this be? Physicists no longer consider retrocausation inconsistent with the laws of the universe. More than a hundred articles in the scientific literature propose ways in which the laws of physics can account for time displacement. 
This explanation was bolstered by a simple thought experiment carried out by a physicist called Vlatko Vedral and Kaslov Bruckner at the University of Vienna. Bruckner enlisted Vedral to design a thought experiment with him. Their experiment rested on a given in science about time. In the evolution of a single subatomic particle, a measurement taken at a certain point will be completely independent of a measurement taken later or earlier when taken at different times. So for their experiment, they concentrated on a photon they called Alice. The task now was to make theoretical calculations of Alice's polarization at two points of time. So if quantum waves behave like a wriggling, skipping rope being shaken at one end, the direction in which the rope is pointed is called polarization. So first they calculated Alice's polarization. Then they measured it moments later. When they finished their calculations of Alice's current position, they went back and measured her earlier polarization again. To their astonishment, they discovered that between the two points of time, they got a different measurement of the first polarization the second time around. The very act of measuring Alice at a later time influenced and indeed changed how it was polarized earlier. Now, the implications of this discovery weren't lost on the scientific community. New scientists included their discoveries in a dramatic cover story called In Quantum Entanglement, How the Future Can Influence the Past. For me, Bruckner's thought experiment held significance far greater than a simple theoretical one. It showed that instantaneous cause and effect not only occurs through space, but also back and possibly forward through time. It offers us the first mathematical proof that the actions of every moment influence and change those of our past. It may well be that every action we take, every thought we have in the present, alters our entire history. His experiment demonstrated the central role of the observer in creating and in fact changing reality. Observing had played an integral part in changing the state of that photon Alice's polarization. This may mean that every deliberate thought to change something in our present could also influence our past. The very act of intention of making a change in the present may also affect everything that's led to that moment. If the brain is simply an antenna and transducer of quantum information, as I've discussed in earlier podcasts, it doesn't distinguish between past and future. This may also mean that imagination and recall can be interchanged and used in a sense to fix those past events that are still unsettling you. I've been experimenting with intentional time travel for many years, and I've found that it can heal many past and current issues. For instance, couples in relationships may use their joint memories and imaginations to settle an old argument. I've had students of mine heal health issues retroactively, healed abuse in their past and hurts from their childhood with time travel. 
and much, much more. As I've discovered, your brain is able to hardwire your memory to change your response to what actually occurred in the past and can also use this new version to heal past events that hold you back and design your future. The most important element I've found is a sense of taking back or displaying your own power. So now research is finally catching up with more evidence that our past is constantly being affected by our future. To the brain, there's absolutely no difference between them, and there shouldn't be any difference to us as well. Although our understanding of the mechanism is still primitive, the experimental evidence of time reversal is fairly robust. This research portrays life as one giant smeared out here and now, and much of it, past, present, and future, is open to our influence at any moment. But that hints at the most unsettling idea of all. Once constructed, a thought is lit forever. While we're talking about using the amazing, extraordinary time travel intention tools you were born with, I'd like to announce some exciting news the launch of my special foundation course, Intention Essentials, which kicks off on October 2nd. Unlike many courses on the internet today, Intention Essentials is live so that you can interact with me and other course members directly. You'll enjoy a total of 10 hours of direct experience with me, be able to ask questions directly and give and get feedback at the meeting. These live sessions are just like being in an in-person workshop with me, but for a fraction of the cost of travel, hotel, and meeting costs. You'll discover unique tools to unleash that extraordinary power you have locked inside you, the best ways to frame your thoughts, to keep them consistent, and to use your mental powers to plan your route to success. You'll become conscious of your own attempts to sabotage your own highest aspirations and retrain this negative thought stream to be a positive force in all areas of your life. You'll also learn all the best techniques you need to supersize this power in a power of eight group. During this time of crisis and uncertainty, thousands of people around the world are discovering the amazing power of intention and a virtual power of eight group an effective way to end isolation and fear, to heal your life and the lives of everyone around you and to create a new path for you going forward. So if you'd like to find out more or book your place with this foundation course, please visit lynnmctaggart.com forward slash courses forward slash intention hyphen essentials. Thanks so much. See you next time. Thank you.